0: Escape to the Metaverse, better act like you know, yeah. You are now tuned into the Matthew and Rizzo show, yeah. Uh, escape to the Metaverse, better act like you know. Yeah. You are now tuned into the Matthew and Rizzle show, yeah. Escape to the Metaverse, act like you know. Hey everyone, before we begin this week's episode of the Matthew and Rizzle show, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Proof of Beauty. Proof of Beauty is an experimental digital experience studio. The blockchain is their canvas and the tokens are their brush. You can learn more about Proof of Beauty by checking out P-O-B dot studio. You can follow them on Twitter as well at P-R-R-F beauty. That's p. RRF Beauty on twitter and pob.studio on their homepage to learn more about their projects like hash london and publico thank you and enjoy the show
1: okay david welcome to the matthew and rizzo show
2: thank you thank you man i'm happy to be here it's uh it's exciting to be able to wake up and talk you know art and all things web3
1: yeah, big shout out to you for persevering through COVID too, and to come here to talk to us about everything. But I mean, I just got off a flight from Miami as well. A couple of days ago, super jet lagged. I don't know if I'm coming down with something, but the thought of being able to chat with you, talk about your art, everything that's going on in, in this whole space of ours, this web three crypto NFT land of ours is just, yeah, it gives me the energy to keep going. It definitely <laughs> seems the case for you as well.
2: Um, but before yeah we- it absolutely yeah. No, it it absolutely does man i mean i, I we'll, we'll talk a little bit later but i mean the 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 potential um pro web3 and nft and crypto art is limitless and um that's the stuff that drives you man is the inspiration the same thing that you just talked about mm-hmm. 100% uh but before we get it,
1: into all of that. I'm really curious actually to hear a little bit more of your backgrounds. Um, like, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I'd love to hear a summary of, of David Bianchi, like the man, the myth, the legend, and then like how you came to find uh, the crypto NFT space. I'd love to hear that, that saga.
2: Yeah, it, it is a bit of a saga. Um, <laughs> thanks for asking. Uh, yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm an artist first. Um, I remember I painted my first, um watercolor when i was probably in first or second grade my mother still has it framed to this day i always loved the way that words sound when they rhyme this that baseball bat and uh you know just sort of the percussion of poetic words i remember i would like you know like recite rap tracks you know back in the early 80s even though i didn't really understand the meaning i would be able to memorize them verbatim and i would like do little performances in the living room and stuff you know and um my first time on stage in a big way was in the third grade. I played Captain Hook and Peter Pan and, uh, you know, shout out to whoever that teacher was to cast a little skinny Brown kid, um, as a notoriously Caucasian character and do some colorblind casting, because I think that, you know, that had some early bug, um, attachment to me actually becoming an actor today. Um, you know, I was always involved in theater through high school, but I went through a lot of a lot of turbulences through high school, man. I was expelled from six high schools. I never graduated from high school. Um, and we're talking about expulsion. We're talking about, no, you can't come back. If you come back on this campus, you'll be arrested for trespassing. You know what I mean? It was it was heavy. What um, did you do? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, yeah, it's funny, bad. man. Like, it's, Thank you, man. Uh, That's a good question, right? So I was I was raised in upstate New York. And, um, you know, just a a quick jab on that on that sort of on what led to it was the culture shock was that raised in upstate New York in a middle upper class white neighborhood. um, I remember early as a kid, like we were told we couldn't use the bathroom. Uh, kids in the neighborhood would say well do you have to go number one number two if we had to go number two white families wouldn't let us use the bathroom um they would they, they would force us to take a shit in the woods um you know i remember uh vividly i was i was kicked out of class because i was cutting out pictures collages of pretty girls in the in the magazines and you know that that was i was sent to the principal's office and the principal took out a the carbon copy of my referral and he wafted it at me and he pulled out this black uh, mat metal like tackle box with a silver latch on it and he opened it up and this is back in the days where people would smoke you know he had a cigar in his ashtray in the principal's office i'll never forget it and he said he wafted it at me he says you see this here son i'm gonna put this here in my nigger box and i don't want you coming back because i don't want my nigger box getting full you understand me son and and so that was happening in second grade and i didn't understand what that meant i moved to mexico city um, and when I was eight, eight to 15. So when I moved to Mexico City, I lived in a, in a world where those words never existed, right? And I went to, a, you know, a, 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 one of the better uh, private schools in Mexico City, and I lived a very silver spoon life, etc, a cetera, et cetera, very sheltered um and so i came back to upstate new york when i was 13 years old to the same neighborhoods and my parents threw me back into the public school system well i was a skinny brown kid you know talking about his resorts and you know and all the things that i had done all my teachers were from london so i had an english accent i was quite thin very slender i was talking about maids and all the experience that i had well ac- apparently the the public school kids didn't take too kindly to that shit they beat the fuck out of me and um you know, so I got bullied a lot when I came back to upstate. And so I had a constant chip on my shoulder because I wasn't black enough. I wasn't Latino enough. Um, you know, I didn't fit in in any way, shape or form. Uh, as a result of that, I had to learn how to fight back. And so the crazier I got, the more props I got. And then I really discovered hip hop culture. And so I really gravitated to like, you know, the Wu-Tang clans and the Onyxes and, you know, all, all that whole anger vibe. And, you know, when you hang out with bullies and you become a bully. You know, when you're slamming kids' heads in lockers and stuff like that, you got props. But what did that turn into? That turned into, rather than books, that turned into, like, 40s and blunts all day, right? And so very, very quickly, I was just, in every way, shape, or form, I was just insubordinate with everything that I did. You know, at one point, I had, like, 50 days in-school suspension at one school. Like, it was just you know, and so as a result of that, <laughs> that actually led to uh, me, me living in a car with a couple of dudes and being homeless and doing it, it, my life took a spiral, you know. Um And and so all of these things, when I look back in hindsight, the funny thing about that, about being <laughs> expelled from these schools is that I ended up actually pulling off a theater production at most of these schools before I got kicked out, which was crazy. Um, So, you know, flash forward to like my, 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 my mid twenties or so um stuff got really, really heavy. You know, I, I went, uh, I'd been in and out of jails a couple of times, and you know, quite a few times. Actually, my 16th, 18th, and 21st birthdays, I was in jail. Um, you know, because of the the behaviors that I was getting involved in, and the people I was surrounding myself with. And so, um, I finally was able to get my parents to to push me into figuring out my life. Um, and I knew that if I kept going, I was going to end up dead or or in prison. There was no doubt about it; it was unequivocal. And so. I went back to community college. I became a rave promoter, (laughs) which was ironic, Um, you know, but I got deep into the drum and bass scene in an underground, you know, outlaw rave scene. And, you know, I was promoting raves. And ironically, that was actually my education to becoming a producer. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I ended up uh, through that process, uh, through academic probation and got back into higher learning, Um, eventually went to Arizona State University and uh, graduated uh, magna cum laude. So go figure. Um, And I'm sort of glancing over a lot of the other details, but, uh, you know, you know, know, there's, there's something, there's something very educating about, you know, a DEA agent putting a shotgun to your face and telling you to not fucking move, you know, Um, so that, and, and, and for whatever it's worth, um, I gotta honestly say, I don't think that I would change it for, for the life of me, because these are the street educations that have really, really informed my life today. Um, and I really believe that I've had the opportunity to rise from the ashes um, and, and really create a career for myself. You know, I came to, to Hollywood in 2004, you know, with a theater degree, believing that Hollywood was waiting for me. And oh, boy, was I mistaken. <laughs> you know, I lived. I, I remember my first job in, in, in L.A. was I was a waiter in, in, uh, in, in, um, in Universal City. And I was getting stiff for hot dogs and hamburgers. And my first apartment, I had the air mattress in Silver Lake in February and there were cockroaches in the kitchen. I was renting a room from a hippie chick with hairy armpits. And I remember her, her, short and curlies would be all over the toilet. I mean, it was a mess. And, uh, and, and, and this was my life. And I wore, I used to put on two pairs of pants and three shirts and a bunch of my clothes in a ball. And I slept on an air mattress because I couldn't afford a blanket, you know, armed with, you know, a division one theater degree, you know, convinced that being a thespian was what I needed to do. And, And, uh, you know, I fell into a deep tunnel of drugs and alcohol and after hours parties and, you know, chomping ecstasy every single weekend and really had to discover myself. And, uh, you know, and so here we are now, um, you know, in 2021, 100 professional film and television credits later, I started producing independent film in 2017. And and I started um, producing spoken word films around that time. So for, for better of almost two decades, I've been producing spoken word films out of my own pocket. You know, just because that's what my heart told me to do. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money working as a waiter, as a bartender, doing whatever I had to do, taking a little bit of that money to produce these little short films that are socially conscious Um, And they ended up playing some pretty cool festivals. And I discovered that this is what I wanted to do with my time and my energy. That's what got me out of bed every day, you know? And the open mic was like my sanctuary. That's what gave me purpose in between getting stiffed on the tips and being a waiter and a bartender for 15 years. I got my SAG card in 2004 doing extra work. You know, I did extra work for three and a half years, you know, trudging and trudging and trudging. And the lesson here is for anybody that's listening is that like, you know, everybody wants the red carpet, but nobody wants to be a waiter. Everybody wants the red carpet, but nobody wants to be a bouncer or a bartender or a stripper or whatever it is that you got to do to get to where you want to go, right? And I came to LA with the number one model in my hand that I'm going to attack the island and I'm going to burn the boat. That's it. I'm attacking the island and burning the boat. I'm unequivocal. There is no looking back. This is what's going to happen. This is my purpose. To anyone that says that they're going to try something, you've already failed because you've given yourself a way out before you've even begun. You have to say, I'm an artist. I am a successful artist. I'm going to become an artist. There is no way. I'm not looking back. I'm only looking forward. I'm going to do everything that I can to be able to achieve that purpose. And that's the mindset that I think it really, really requires to be a successful artist, whether you're an actor, a poet, a crypto artist, whether, you know, 4D renders three, you know, you're doing blender, whatever it is that you're doing. You have to have that mindset that what you have is incredible uh, because if you don't believe it, nobody will, Um, you know, so. I give you all that sort of preface to understand sort of the mechanics of David Bianchi at a, at a, at a, at a molecular level as it were. And so we look at spoken word films. And I mentioned that because I ended up trademarking the genre called spinema spinning cinema through spoken word. And I have the trademark to that. So that was my entry into NFTs Um, in April, 2021 was April 3rd, 2021. I remember it vividly was the day that I minted my first NFT And that was a project called I Can't Breathe, um, which was uh, a project that was directed uh, by Ryan Lemasters that I wrote that was my soliloquy of pain uh, and emotional suffering uh, post the murder of Mr. George Floyd, in the shadow of the largest civil rights movement in U.S. history, um, in global history, I should say. And that project uh, ended up uh, minting uh, on on a small platform called Ephemera and, um, caught the attention of MetaPurse. Um, it blew up through, uh, some help, um, some velocity from the clubhouse influencers at the time. And, uh, Forbes ended up covering that work. And, um, since then I've continued to trudge forward. I don't remember a time where social consciousness didn't matter to me. Uh, I've been an activist most of my mature life. I've been sort of fuck the system most of my mature life. Um, And I do believe that everything that is good in this world, in the first world, and in the third world is a direct result of revolution. If we look at America goes back to the Tea Party and the Revolutionary War. Um, if we look at the women's right to vote, if we look at the civil rights movement, if we look at anything, even right now, like one of the biggest uh, magnifying glasses is the LGBTQ community. They are in a perpetual revolution in order to evoke and create change for a better future for generations to come. So um, it's a big part of my modus operandi. And I'm proud that the the NFT and crypto art community has embraced uh, my voice and has given me. Uh, such a massive platform to to discuss these things and and proliferate them um, not just into crypto art but also into the wider world as it were
3: well, shit, dude, <laughs> this is, you talk about what you get getting up for in the morning, man? This is honestly the type of stuff that I get up for in the morning, and you know feel very uh privileged to be able to share your story with people uh shit dude, what an incredible story i mean i I'm sure there are details uh you left out, man, but Uh, Dude, I remember you coming onto the scene and not really understanding what you were trying to do with NFTs, because I feel like you approached NFTs uh, from someone, uh, you know, with like a theater type of background. And I feel like no one was really doing that at all at the time. So I was like, you know, interested in your message. And, and trying to figure out, I'm like, you know, is this is this guy going to find his niche in the NFT space? Like, does anyone who like cares about NFTs also care about this? Uh, clearly, what you're doing, man, is like very, very important. And one of the things I've always respected about you is like you're out there saying the things that a lot of people are afraid to say and, you know, doubling down on it with your with your artwork, with your performance Uh, with your performances and everything. So, uh, you know, really appreciate that uh, aspect of what you're delivering, man. Uh, As far as the NFT side goes, man, like, how did you sort of, like, stumble upon it in the first place? Like, what was your creative process like in terms of, uh, you know, how you approach them? And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just, like, really interested in, like, you know, your perspective as an artist uh, performer coming in, uh, to the NFT scene and like, you know, how you sort of find your way and, and utilize them.
2: Sure. It's, um, yeah, it's a great question. And and, um, and, and thanks for saying that, man. And I, and I will obviously say this that like when I first came into the space, Um, I didn't know a lot of the core guys, you know, I didn't know the rizzles of the world, you know what I mean, I just, I just fell into it, I was literally like blindfold, I was touching the walls trying to figure out where I was going. And I understand that at that time, there was probably a lot of core people, a lot of real core blockchain guys are looking at me probably like kind of suspect, you know what I mean, because there's a lot of Um, celebrities uh, and influencer types that come into the space strictly for a cash grab. Um, And I knew that that wasn't where I was coming from, but I had to convince the community that it wasn't. So, Um, you know, we're going back to April, 2021. I ended up poking around and I found this platform uh, called Ephemera that allowed for 250 megabytes on the mint. And so um, I was looking at Rarible. I was looking at OpenSea, I was looking at uh, Foundation, and I was like hustling, figuring out every ways that I could get in this, that, and the third. But there just wasn't any place where I could really exist because one thing I had to figure out was like, okay, if I'm going to enter this NFT thing, now this is off the back of you know the 69 million dollar Beeple sale, and so that sort of like piqued my interest. I've been collecting cryptocurrency since 2017, so I was already aware. That the underlying technology, and I was already aware and not afraid of the underlying benefits of the blockchain. So I was already I was already sitting in the church, right? I was, I was already clapping the tambourine. I was just trying to figure out which way I was going to pray, right? Which religion was I going to love? And when I say that, I say that in terms of you know what was going to be my voice in the NFT space. So that's one of the things that artists have to think about: is like when you're going to enter the space and you're going to mint, what are you going to be identified as? How are you going to be perceived? What is going to be your artistic brand? And I understood that. Now I've gotten. A congratulatory letter from, from the mayor of Villaraigosa of Los Angeles for my fine art in Los Angeles, my creative endeavors in LA. I've done uh, gallery shows in Scottsdale and Tempe and Phoenix and so on and so forth. But people know me as an on-camera personality. Now, spinema is something that I've been doing, for, like I said, for two decades. And just because, just for whatever reason, right? And it's good art. And I found this platform called femra that allowed for 250 megabytes. And I was like, holy shit. I literally felt like Neo when Neo first sees the matrix, you know? And I saw, I was like, this is where it is. So I was able to sort of like crack the code a bit. So I took a 1080 file. I, I dropped it down to like 960 by 540. And I toggled the bitrate to like seven mega, megabytes per second and was able to get it below 250. And so I was able to mint an entire film from frame one to the final frame so that whomever would collect this piece would literally collect the entire film, which for me was mind blowing because at the time the technology just wasn't there. Um, and so that's how I entered the space and just through massive amounts of hustle uh, and entrepreneurship, I put together some really cool creative, some thumbnails and I was just going on clubhouse and I was just listening and I was on like nfts.tips and I was in every single room I could possibly imagine. I was in NFT house and I was just listening and listening and listening and just DMing the hell out of anybody who sounded like they had something interesting to say and sounded like they had some influence and was willing to pay attention to what I was doing. Um, luckily. I got the attention of Paulo Moreno um, and, um, you know, Paulo ended up connecting me through his belief in social consciousness to Farouk and these guys. And they gave me a platform and clubhouse to talk about. Um, I can't breathe. And that piece ended up getting bid, bid on by Mondoir. And ultimately Mondoir was outbid by Veritas of MetaPurse. And, um, you know, in an unprecedented move. So everybody knows I donated 100% of those proceeds to the George Floyd Memorial Foundation you know, because it felt morally corrupt, even though it was, a, it was a good amount of money, right? You know, it was like, whatever, 20 grand at the time, because uh, ETH was at about 4,400. You know, I was like, I, I can't take money off the back of, and the blood of the civil rights movement. I never made this film for a profit and I'm not going to start now, right? Deadline hey, It's
3: like a boss integrity move right there.
2: Yeah, you, well, exactly. Thank you, my bro. And, and it's just like, I just, I come from a place. So I'm now, I'm now almost five years sober. Right. And through my spiritual practices of what I do in my recovery, uh, giving and being of service is part of a big underbelly of who we are, what we are as human beings in this world. And so I do firmly believe that everything that I do in this world, when I give the universe will reciprocate that back to me. And so my bills are paid and my needs are met, right? So who cares if I don't make a penny off this? It really was about establishing who David Bianchi is in NFT art, what Spinema is in NFT art, and then moving forward from there. So that was basically my foray into the space. And since then, I've minted um two... Uh, more spinema films. The second one was a piece called "You Can't Hear Me," uh, starring Malcolm Jamal Warner, a Grammy and Emmy winning actor, and also known also widely known poet, uh, directed by uh, Emmy nominee Christopher fulkins And that piece was an injustice piece. Uh, through that project, we ended up donating seven thousand dollars to the New Earth Foundation uh, to support injustice causes and in inner city youth. And the most recent film that I minted was a piece called "Break the Bars" uh, that I directed. It was the first piece that I directed and um, was a drop on Maker's Place and was the first film to ever have a red carpet premiere in the metaverse and we completely changed the architecture of the Maker's Place gallery in Decentraland turned it into a red carpet experience with a step and repeat we have paparazzi's with cameras for heads and uh, the film is now a solo exhibit at the Maker's Place gallery in DCL you could still go there now and and watch it there um and that ended up, you know, selling out and it was a successful drop. And um, also through that process, we're going to be donating $3,000 to the New Earth Foundation for inner city youth work as well. So social consciousness is a big part of what I do and pushing long form and NFTs is a big part of what I do, you know, and Makers Place, for example, that last project was 520 megabytes on chain, which is mind blowing that I was able to mint that heavy of a file. Um, So I definitely think that uh, long form is the future of all this. And uh, I did take a pivot in between to go to, as you mentioned earlier, to super rare um, to work on the modern day minstrel series. And that was also strategic as well, um, because I quickly learned that the majority of collectors aren't on fucking clubhouse <laughs> and uh you know and the majority of of people that are real purists real web3 purists um are not on clubhouse uh and are in discord and are mostly on twitter and um and so i wanted to tap into a community of collectors um that otherwise had not heard of me and so i did a departure and went to super rare and uh, minted the, the modern day minstrel series yeah, and,
1: and that's where I first saw your work. Uh, we had chatted and was on NFT radio with again, like shout out to Veritas, Metapurse, the whole Metapurse crew, MetaCope, and Tubador, Brooke, everyone there's amazing, amazing people. Um, but it's that modern day minstrel series, each of those pieces is like each one is just like another punch in the face. It it's so powerful visually, and it's just like this this motherfucker wants to say a lot it's just like the first impression that i had of have of you and it was really special because up until that point there's a lot of like 3d work there's a lot of you know like beautiful work and this one it's really starting to take people and push them into territory that they're probably not comfortable in and i love those i love experiences like that i love art like that i just have to say but all of that kind of zooming back out because your body of work is so diverse and you are that multi-hyphenate artist and doing so many different things. I'm really curious your process of actually deciding what to do next, like going from spinema doing very long form to doing uh, like a photography-based series like Modern Day Minstrel, um, doing what you're doing now uh, with the Revolutions Being Televised series, also on Super Rare. How do you decide, how do you sell, settle upon like the next project? What's your process, man?
2: I mean, it's an, it's a good, good question. And and thank you for saying that about the modern day minstrel series. And I hope that everybody listening gets a chance to check it out. Um, you know, to give people a sense of what that is, it's, it's, it's a series that I, I produced and conceptualized where I painted myself in blackface to uncover and discuss the, the racist, vicious, nature of the minstrel show in america which was the largest theater movement in u.s history where for 140 years white actors painted themselves in blackface and created um basically musical racist skits that cut down the afro diaspora Uh, and to this day blackface is widely used in western europe with the Zuardi pete celebrations in fact this month they're starting again um, around christmas and so if we look at the minstrel show that ultimately overtook opera became the national art form became vaudeville and eventually Broadway and then silent films and then talking films. Um, That was what I was facing with the minstrel show. Now what made the minstrel show challenging for me is that as a poet, I oftentimes have two to three minutes to get my ideas across, but with super rare, I have 50 megabytes. So how do I tell a story in 40 seconds poetically and tell the story of where the minstrel actually is in his space. So that was really, really challenging for me. Um, you know, a side note about that is that any, all the collectors that own a minstrel, uh, I transfer the intellectual property of my written poetry to the owner of that NFT for resale, for republish and repurpose as they wish you know, across the world without having to ask for my permission. Um, it was one of the the sort of cracking the code on NFTs as I'm trying to do to make them a little bit more sophisticated as it were. Um, so it's really an important series. Um, and yeah, definitely trying to say a lot, you know, and making people very uncomfortable. You know, Uh, I think that we don't grow unless we're uncomfortable. And um, so to get to the, the context of your question is that, you know, brother, I'm, I am a multi, I am a multi-hyphenate artist. I've got, I've got an arsenal of black and white 35 millimeter stills that I shot my college days. I've got an arsenal of fine art that I've done that I eventually want to service into the ecosystem. Um, but I'm always trying to do things that are different that are sort of socially conscious in their tone and in their heartbeat, but doing things in the, in NFT art that nobody is doing, hence the minstrel show, hence Spinema, and even the revolution is being televised series. Like that is a series of ones of ones that are on super rare um, that were literally shot in live action, high concept cinema, you know, with Aerie with Aerie airy, with airy mini, anamorphic lenses. I've had 60 people, six, zero people work on this series so far. Um, uh, my visual effects team are the same people that did the effects on Kong and Pacific Rim. Um, you know, these are pieces that I wrote, produced, directed, and edited that are focused on artistic, social, uh, and technological revolutions with the Guy Fawkes mask as our central hero. You guys know that more as the anonymous mask or the V for Vendetta mask. Um, So that was the theme that I'm thinking about is like, how do I keep my work socially conscious, but how do I keep challenging what the interpretation of NFT art is, right? We, as you said, you know, um, there's a lot of great 4D, a lot of great 3D stuff. but for me, it started to feel very one note after a while. I was like, hmm, I, I, for me, NFT art doesn't have to be bitcoins and lollipops, right? Yeah. Um, it also doesn't have to be, you know, just a scan of somebody's fine art and calling it crypto art because that's, that's analog going to digital. Like if you look at my art, like even filmmaking, for example, to me is probably one of the highest forms of digital art. There's nothing analog about the filmmaking process nowadays right? Everything that I do, we capture ones and zeros, right? My online, my editing, my visual effects, everything is digital, right? So um, it is digitally native, just moving it to web three native um, when we, when we mint it on the blockchain. So, you know, I don't know that I really have an answer to why I do what I do, Mm -hmm. except I just follow my heart. Yeah. But I also lean into things that I think the audience wants to see. You know, um, I was re- I'm really convinced that um, that the Revolution series, um, you know, a year from now, maybe two years from now, will really be heralded as a, as, as a genuinely groundbreaking series, which it is. And uh, now I'm just waiting for the right collectors to see what I see. You know, and and that's why it it it, it just premiered at Scope Miami at Art Basel um because the P, the gentleman at super rare and who i love deeply um they see how groundbreaking it is and they see what it is that i'm trying to do but they also see that i'm doing it at an incredibly high level you know if anybody if anybody knows anything about the filmmaking process if you look at the revolution series you will see that this is theatrical grade filmmaking it competes with universal paramount screen gems you name it, it, it it's that highbrow.
3: so david man uh as we've mentioned and, uh, you know, have been talking about, you know, your socially conscious angle, which, uh, you know, I, I feel is obviously extremely important. But I can only imagine that it's been met with, like, some pushback by some people or or maybe not uh, well received by some people. Or yeah, I'm curious to know, like, you know, the landscape of the NFT scene. I'm like, who who has been, like, a big supporter of yours and, like, you know, is down with the angle that you've been taking uh, with your artwork, uh, and your performance and everything. And has that, has anyone like, <laughs> is there anyone we should be aware of that we should like not be supporting because they, uh, you know, are against what you're doing or anything like that? What's been like the feedback?
2: Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, man, I, I, I have to think it's a great question. I think that no great artist is without controversy. You know, um, and, and art is designed to evoke a catharsis. It should make audiences feel something. Um, and I also have to say that it's, a, it's important that as artists, we have to realize that it's, I don't need someone's permission to be an artist or to say what I want to say, because it's not their perceptions by which I identify Um, and I got a lot of fucking pushback, bro, especially with the minstrel series, primarily from the black community, believe it or not. Like I actually, and I'll say this out loud. Like I had members of her story Dow like straight up attacking me. I was like, yo, y'all crazy. Like I just blocked them, you know, and I'm not, and I don't mind saying that publicly because, you know, they made it public. And this is actually the first time that I've actually name called, you know. um... But
3: it it does seem surprising to me, man. What what was their like take on it? Or what, what were they upset about?
2: Well, I mean, it's the general sentiment of, of pushback that I got from the black community was that, how dare you say these things? Who are you to Who are you to say these horrible things? You're making money off trauma porn. I was uh-huh. called, I was called a trauma pornographer. That I was making money off the black struggle, off the black trauma. Right. At the and, and you know, at the end of the day, what's the difference between what I'm doing and great films like Steve McQueen's Twelve Years a Slave? What's the difference between you know um, the great series? that just came out on Hulu called the Underground Railroad. Look, these are hard films to watch, but they are important so that we understand the nature of the Afro struggle. Because if we look at like our Jewish brothers and sisters, we understand the importance of of, of why anti-Semitism is a bad thing because we as a culture understand their struggle, right? We understand the the, the vicious history of, of, of Jewish hate, if we didn't understand that, we wouldn't understand why anti-Semitism is so important and why we have to be sensitive to our Jewish brothers and sisters' struggle. And so it's also our responsibility to uncover the real story, not his story as it's written in the literature books, right? Because that's written by Caucasian minds and Caucasian mindsets. So when I bring these stories to life, there was a large part of the Black community that even on Twitter were making threats on my life. like. You know, I suddenly went from like being, you know, quote unquote, you know, the shining artist of color, you know, making, you know, powerful films about social consciousness to suddenly being like persona non grata to a lot of people in the black community. Um, And at the end of the day, it's like, that's fine. Like people can have their own perceptions and I'm, and I, and I'm perfectly happy and healthy to move about the world, you know, with or without their support. Um, So to me, it's neither here nor there. Um, We have to just willing we have to be able and willing to know if your heart is in the right place. As an artist, you're the only one that has to sleep with yourself at night, right? If you are being left-handed or if you're being manipulative or if you are being of the wrong you know, nature, then your heart will tell you that. You know, I was even told like, man, are you, man, you're like mixed, bro. You're not even black enough. You're not even black. And my, my simple response to that is like, yo, if this were 1860, would I be a slave? Okay. So conversation's over. Yeah. I'm black enough. Trust, (laughs) you know? Um, And, and, you know, and so, and people, even, even people in the, in the African-American community, believe it or not, they're like, yo, you're not even black, bro. You're like Brazilian. Like, like, yo, let me just tell you, bro, did you not know that twenty million slaves were brought to Brazil and only five million were brought to north america? did you, like do your history, bro? you know, and so a, a lot of this is just unfortunately rooted in ignorance and and Twitter is full of bullies you know that are hiding behind their avatars and luckily I, I have the thick skin of being an actor, so I'm used to 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 that right a lot of artists aren't used to it so i think if i didn't have the hollywood conditioning of reptilian skin i don't think i would have been able to handle it <laughs> yeah.
1: It it's so reptilian skin. Reverend. it's so <laughs> hard to have hard conversations but it's so so important and like even those kind of like back and forth on twitter or wherever you have them i mean like your your rebuttals are so this is what all like another factor i really admire about you you are so sharp with it on your feet. Like you really are like Muhammad Ali of like rebuttals in my personal opinion. <laughs> and you're, you're informing people too, at the same time, it's not just like hey, like you're ugly, <laughs> like shut up. It's like, Hey, this is history. This is why I'm doing this. Like really, really bringing it yeah. to, to people's attentions. And it's hard to have these hard conversations and a lot of people are scared to have them. I know a little bit earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you got food in your belly, your checks are paid, like you're good with whatever, like you just, you're making your art, you're, you're doing you and you're happy to do that. And I feel like in our space with where we have the power of crypto long-term the power of like all this technology builds off of it is that it's, it allows individuals to become a little bit more secure with their life, with themselves, with the the things that, the basics to put the food in the belly to have their, their bills and stuff paid so that they can have harder conversations that a lot of people have really shied away from because, well, maybe they're, they still need that check to come in the mail because they're living a little bit more precariously financially. Right. Um So like yeah. you're at a point obviously where you can have these hard conversations you've worked your ass off to get there. Obviously Um if you have any recommendations or any kind of like words of wisdom for folks listening to this who also want to have these hard conversations want to pursue their passion their art to get into to do things that other people may not like and may put them into a hard position with some folks like what would you tell them to to help get them to a point where they can fully like unrestrainedly like pursue their passion their art in their way
2: sure um you know, I have to also give a shout out to Super Rare. Um, you know, to Nathan, Casey, Zach, and Dave and John, you know, cause they, they didn't shy away from it either. Like they got attacked, you know, saying, how dare you promote this black trauma. Like it was just like, so I really have to give a shout out to super rare for being brave enough to stand by the work and say, no, we're not going to censor artists, you know? So that's also a very important thing to talk about. And, and Mandoir and, and Meta and, and Pranksy um, Tony Ho, um, you know, NorCal guy, you know, uh Keith Grossman, you know, some of these really sophisticated collectors um that collected um, you know, pieces, uh have collected pieces of my work. And that's only the sh- the 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 short version of really smart collectors that that I really endorse, you know. Um as far as your question is concerned, any Artists should be completely prepared for the potential shit storm that will fly your way. Make sure that you are wearing squeegees on your glasses. You are wearing galoshes because the shit will get thick. If you choose to step into it, you know um, have your rebuttals prepared, have your information on hand and do everything that you can to maintain an even timber Uh, because the the antagonists are looking for a reason to evoke a rise in you. They are looking for a reason to throw you off balance. Um, For myself being an actor, I'm not, I'm doxxed, you know, and being a public figure, I think that a lot of people, when they were speaking to me, were looking for a way to get David to lose control and say something irresponsible. And so I think that you have to have everything metered um, and polished and ready to go. You know, you just don't go into any sort of public debate without your talking points ready. Um, and if you have those things ready and your heart is speaking a truth that you believe in fundamentally, and you believe in your art aesthetically and creatively, and you know that what you're bringing to the space is of value, everything else will fall into place, but be prepared for the shit because it will be thrown at you. You know, especially from people that have nothing to lose vis-a-vis people that are hiding behind avatars because they have nothing to lose. They're not doxed. People that are doxed have something to lose. And so I, I, I always ask artists to lean on the air, on the side of caution if you are going to talk about topics and subject matters that are controversial.
3: Well said, man. I think polished is like a very uh, appropriate word to use for how you come across, man, because uh, just like sort of echoing what Matt was saying, man, you you put out these works of art, but then you're like right there, like in the dialogue with people, like engaging in conversation with them. Uh, And, you know, docs are not, man, I feel like, you know, even if people sometimes put out, uh, you know, socially conscious art, they're not in the weeds, like having the conversations that come along with it afterwards. Uh, And, you know, that's like a whole nother thing man. that that takes a lot of uh, a lot of guts. Uh, Dude, just out of curiosity, man, like uh, in the in the NFT space or outside of the NFT space, like who do you look to? for inspiration. I, you know, I genuinely appreciate your like uh, fuck the system type of attitude. I think it, you know, takes a lot of, uh, yeah, man, a lot of guts to just be out here and like, you know, keep that mantra and keep banging that drum. Uh, who do you look to for inspiration, man? And not, not necessarily in the NFT space, but if there are people uh, in there as well, uh, you know, that's cool.
2: Sure. Um, I, it's, oof, I don't even know where to start because I, being that I play in in the, the physical world inspired by people like, you know, Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington and, um, you know, Sidney Poitier. And so um, those are some, you know, some of my forefathers that I that I am inspired by uh, Muhammad Ali, for example, some conscientious objectors. So you look at Colin Kaepernick and what he's always doing and is willing to do. You look at Ava DuVernay and these are more people that are Hollywood oriented, um, you know, in the. In the NFT space, like I really, I really look up to what Osanachi has done. Yes. Um, you know, um, I often, I really, really look up to Metacoven and everybody in the Metaverse family, um, what they do and what they stand for. Um, you know, unfortunately, I gotta say that for what it is that I do in NFT art, to a certain degree, I'm singular. You know, there aren't poets there aren't a lot of sort of high revolutionaries as it were that I'm looking at and saying, Oh shit, I'm really, really blown away by that. Now there are incredible artists like Rafiq Anadol. Like I just was, my life is forever changed by what I experienced from, from Orbseer um in, in Miami. Like I love orb and I am spiritually and emotionally and literally like metaphysically changed forever from his stereoscopic wall. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Um And so I am inspired by, you know, even artists like, like Pac, um, for example, who is, you know, obscure and under the radar. Um, Banksy is a huge inspiration. Um, Absolutely anything sort of counterculture in its approach, but is also, you know, fresh and new, you know. So those are some people that, that move me. Um, But as far as like within the NFT community, um, it's hard to be inspired to say, oh, I want to create something like that because I don't see anybody creating anything like what I'm creating yeah, in, I in, in the NFT space. Um, and so it's tricky because like being a trailblazer, yeah, it's all fancy on paper, but it's not always popular. Right. Um, being singular isn't always popular. It isn't always comfortable. There's a lot of nights, guys, where I've sat with my head in my hands and just questioned like, God, is is this going to be well received? Are people going to get what I'm trying to say? Are people, are people going to pick up what the fuck I'm putting down? You know, and that's a real question I got to ask myself. And, and I just say, you know what, David, you're an artist and just go into it with an open heart because just focus on the work. God deals with the results. Just focus on the work, God deals with the results okay focus on the work God deals with the results and deliver art that is smart that is sophisticated that is refined refined in its approach refined in its technical abilities refined in its visual uh, uh, acumen refined in every piece of its approach um, because I think that my work is is very white glove uh, in how I present it um, it's not sloppy in any way shape or form and so I think that the work eventually over time will speak for itself. Like I love Coldy, for example, uh, me and Colby have had a lot of great conversations and, you know, he always, he always exercises patience, you know, mm-hmm. just be patient, dog, just be patient. You know, my, my work will always find a home. And, uh, you know, so there's a. I uh, I hope that answers your question a little bit.
1: Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And you, you gave some amazing names there, Ushinachi, Colby, um, just amazing insight there. Um, getting to the the end of the show, there's always a, a sort of like invasive question. We like to ask our guests, um, but we like to sort of rifle through their crypto wallets and, and ask them, like, what are some of the, their prized, most favorite kind of uh, NFTs they've been collecting uh, recently? So I'm curious, man, like what do you have in your crypto wallet that like you're holding near and dear to your heart?
2: Uh, uh, yeah. So I just acquired my first uh, Rafik Anadol. Um which I'm really, really, um, grateful to have, um, in my collection. Um, you know, obviously I have my OG apes, which I'm, (laughs) which I'm super, I'm super grateful that I ended up, uh, aping in, uh, as it were. Um, and, um, you know, definitely my, 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 my M2 ape is, is, is pretty badass as well. Um, I also have uh, some some interesting works um you know Pussy Riot uh work as well. You know I am interested in collecting things and gathering things that really sort of you know open my mind and a lot of times it's 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 tricky to find uh things like that that open your mind um even like jr um like uh you know jr the uh one of the co-founders of uh of the oni force like he has some some you know genesis works that that i collected that are a play on sort of the greek statues um, but i'm definitely interested more in 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 gathering um, some more art blocks and some more generative and some more, um, AI oriented stuff. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that is interesting to me. Um, I'm actually building, um, a project right now, which is going to be, um, AI activated art that is going to respond to, to spoken word poetry. Um, and it's going to be a, a big series that I want to drop and that's going to be coming soon. Um, so yeah, there's, um, but definitely my, I think my prize possession right now is, is, is my Rafik.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely hold on to that one tight. Uh, Some other cool projects there. And well, you gave us a little teaser of what's coming next. But before we do leave, just want to have you shout out and let folks know where they can follow you at. And then like you said, if there's any other projects that folks should be on the lookout for from you uh, in the near, near term, let them know too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and everybody can find me at David Bianchi. It's uh, as B I A N C H I. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, underscore official um, on Instagram or David Bianchi on Twitter. Please give me a shout out. Find me there, and DM me if anybody has any questions, any concerns, like any thoughts. Like I always try to be accessible. Like I do the best that I can to respond to people, even if it's just for help or advice. Anything that I can do uh, to be of service to people. I love to do that. Um, you know, Oh, shout out to actually my lost poets. I'm also a big fan of my lost poets and, and, uh, and and, you know, and on the PFP side, I love my world of women. Like I got to give the world of women a shout out, like they're dope. Um, you know, so there's, uh, some other stuff. And Sabet also is a really cool artist who I, I really yes. admire. Um, I definitely have some Sabet's in my wallet too. Um, as far as what's happening now, um, right now, I'm I've just am in the middle of a, a new series called The Revolution is Being Televised, which I mentioned earlier. And it's on Super Rare, and it's uh, it's a series of ones of ones um, that are focused, um, like I said, on the Guy Fawkes uh, mask as our central hero, and uh, really upholding the mask and creating a sort of superhero kind of vibration with the mask. Um, One of the things that was really important to me about this series is making sure that I protected... The the provenance of the mask, as it were, how many brothers and sisters across the world in different nations have lost their lives wearing that mask. So I had to make sure that I really gave the mask the utmost amount of dignity uh, in this series and it's super high concept and, um, as I said, was just at scope Miami at Art Basel. And I'm uh, really, really excited about that. So go on my Twitter, it's pinned, check it out. Um, it will really, really move you um, and super sophisticated stuff. And um, also there's an incredible piece that was part of the super rare monolith, a 30 foot monolith in Art Basel. And it's a piece called Gaia, Forgive Our Trespasses. And, um, it's a 3D render piece that I did in collaboration with a 3D architect. But, uh, the sculpture is informed by photographs that I took of my girlfriend. I covered her in fabric and put a styrofoam ball in her hand. And the idea was to create a statue of Mother Gaia, who is Mother Earth, uh, the mother of all deities, um, as she laments over our planet. And in this piece is a beautiful, beautiful 3d render uh, s- space where I literally had my voice in the color of the soil, the texture of the rock, the camera movements, the angle of the light, the color temperature, uh, everything involved in it has my fingerprints on it. And the final frame, um, actually has my spoken word poetry engraved into the rock and whoever acquires this NFT, I will also transfer the intellectual property of that poetry to the owner. Um, now I'll read it to you real quick so you can get a sense of this mother of earth, protector of life, creator of seas, mountains, and stars. We humans have hurt scorched in the masses, please hold us close. Forgive our trespasses. And that, that poetry is under bed. Beautiful, uh, beautiful classical music and the sounds of of water and wind and nature and birds. And that the idea is that we as human beings are simply passing through and mother earth, we, we ask you to forgive our trespasses because we as humans are aware of what we're doing to the planet. And so this piece is, is a very delicate, but very sort of sophisticated call to action to do what you can recycle where you can, Pick up a piece of trash on the sidewalk, even if it isn't yours. Um, Do what you can to respect Mother Earth because we are visitors here. She was here long before us and she'll be here long after we leave. Uh, So those are two pieces that are very, very powerful, two series that are very powerful that are important to me right now. So those are on Super Rare and um, going into production on a very big project, a spinema project with an A-list director um, that is going, that is funded by the blockchain for the blockchain. this director is is widely known as one of the most sought after music video directors in the world and has directed uh, movies for the studio system. And it's it's incredible to bring Spinema uh, to that level. Um, and it is a, a project that's focused on uh, mass gun violence. So that one will be coming soon in the first quarter of 2022. So those are the things that I'm thinking about now. There we go, man.
1: And honestly, it's been such an honor and a pleasure to chat with you. You are such a wordsmith, and the visual imagery you've painted with your words, as you describe everything that you are a part of, it's just—I mean—it brings it up in clear, clear, in the clearest clarity in your mind's eye. It's been really, really humbling to chat with you, man. And I just really hope that you continue to to punch people in the face and pursue your passion and like do everything that you've been doing. Just keep on creating, man.
2: Well, I appreciate that, guys. And um, <laughs> I know I'm always a mouthful. So I so apologize if I rambled on, but I guess that's what we're doing here anyways. But um, I, I also would just want to pause and just say thank you to you guys. You know, Riz, like, you know, you, know, you two gentlemen are deep into the ecosystem. And the fact that, you know, you've opened up space to have a conversation with me, I don't take that lightly because, uh, you know, you guys, are, you guys are bedrock, you know, um, and I'm sure that you guys are really cautious about who you have on your show because there's a lot of people that are fly by night and a lot of people yeah. that are substitutes for substance. And so um, I don't take this lightly. And I really just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to to give me the chance to voice about my work and speak about my story. So, yeah. And and if there's anything I can do to help, shit, let me know, bro. I there's I, I, any <laughs> Like how 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 can I support you guys? Like, please let me know. How can I support you guys? I'm here. Hell yeah! There you go, man.
0: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this week's episode. Just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Proof of Beauty. Proof of Beauty is an experimental digital experience studio. The blockchain is their canvas and the tokens are their brush. You can learn more about Proof of Beauty by checking out POB.studio. You can follow them on Twitter as well at PRRF Beauty. That's P-R-R-F Beauty on Twitter and P-O-B dot studio their homepage to learn more about their projects like Hash, London, and Publico. Thank you, and see you in the next
1: episode.